0: presented by at&t connecting changes everything
1: the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner david
2: Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies, and I am your host, Movie Mike, and today I am breaking down the best Marvel movie villains of all time, all inspired because of the new Venom, Let There Be Carnage movie that came out over the weekend. I will get into that review. I'll have my wife, Kelsey, stop by to give a different perspective on it because she didn't see the first one. I seen the first one, didn't love it, so we'll let you know if that one is any good and worth your money. We'll get into some movie news where a bunch of movie props are going up for sale. Lots to get into this week. Appreciate you, as always, being subscribed and listening every single week, especially everybody listening on Monday, which is release day of the podcast. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I hope you stick around, go back and check out some other older episodes. And while you're at it, tell a friend. But without any further ado, let's get started.
1: In a world where
3: everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast.
2: So let's talk about the best Marvel movie villains of all time. Not looking at comic books, not looking at video games, not looking at anything else like that. Just their appearances in movies. And I've always said that I think Marvel has had issues throughout the MCU and even before that with making memorable villains. We remember all the big moments when it comes to the superheroes, but when it comes to the villains they were fighting and trying to defeat, They would always just be there and be gone and you don't really remember them. Meanwhile, on the other end, I think DC does a really great job at creating memorable villains. You can probably name at least three Batman villains that are all really great and memorable. But when it comes to the Marvel movies, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, I forgot who Iron Man was trying to defeat in that. Not really that important. But they have created some really great memorable villains that a lot of it was due to the actors that portrayed them or other villains who were able to have reoccurring roles in different Marvel movies that made them more memorable. So for this list, we're only looking at their appearances in movies, and we're not even just looking at the MCU, because there were Marvel movies before the MCU. It's just kind of the world we know now. And that actually takes me to the first one on the list. At number five, I have Magneto from X-Men that came out back in 2000. And I think when it comes to superhero movies now, we kind of forget how important those X-Men movies were to making superhero movies cross that genre into being big blockbusters and really just having an impact on pop culture i think those x-men movies were really able to shift from you know the 80s and 90s batman comic book style superhero movies that we knew and were able to make them really big blockbusters that everybody loved no matter if you were an adult or a kid those movies were just great and i think Magneto was such an awesome villain and that's greatly due to Ian McKellen's performance or should I say Sir Ian McKellen and he is just such a phenomenal actor like really one of the most acclaimed actors of all time he not only did this role but I mean just from Lord of the Rings alone but I think this is one of his most underrated roles because the X-Men franchise did so well in that early trilogy and it was due to probably two main actors I would say Ian McKellen as Magneto And Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Like, those are the main reasons those movies were so good. So you have your hero and you have your villain. And what I love about Magneto is, one, that he has actual superpowers. He's actually a superhero. He is an Omega-level mutant. So he's not just some rich guy who's able to buy, like, a bunch of, like, cool armor or weapons. Like, he can literally control things with his mind. And I think in that first X-Men movie... The scene where he's able to lift the police cars, make those crash, and then take all of the police officers' weapons and turn them on themselves. That is a great villain moment. You homo sapiens and your guns. And he was a true villain to Professor X and the X-Men and the constant villain throughout the run of those movies. I just think there was no one else that could have played him and no other villain you could have had in those movies. So at number five, I would go with Magneto. At number four, I would put Killmonger from Black Panther, which came out in 2018. And I think it's mainly due because of Michael B. Jordan's really sinister performance as Killmonger. And he is so convincing in his acting that you almost don't know whether to root for him or to be against him because he is the villain. But he plays that so perfectly well. And that scene where he fights T'Challa is one of the most kind of gut wrenching points in the entire MCU, really.
4: Is this your king? Is this your king?
2: The development of the character and knowing how much he has been through, how much pain he has felt as an individual, you almost don't entirely feel like you want him to lose. You almost, in a weird, dark, twisted way, kind of root for him too. Because in his whole world and his reality, like this is what he was meant to do. He was meant to take over. So to be able to kind of connect with the villain on that kind of level, I thought made him a really (laughs) great character and a really great villain Plus, I also think that Killmonger, first of all, that's just a really cool name. Like, that's fun to say. And sometimes Marvel villains just have really basic names or even DC villains, you know, like Scarecrow or Penguin. But Killmonger, like, that's a villain name that I'd actually be afraid of. The second thing is the scarring on his body just adds this uniqueness to him, adds a level of mystery to him. And if I was a kid and wanted, like, a villain action figure to fight my Black Panther, I would want that just so I could, like, mess with the bumps on his body. I mean, I'm a grown adult and I still kinda want that, but that's just what I see when I see Killmonger. So I would put him at number four. At number three, also not in the MCU, but one of the OG Marvel movies, Spider-Man from 2002. And the Green Goblin, as a kid watching this movie, I remember being genuinely scared of him. He was very creepy and it's entirely due to William Dafoe and being able to play Demented so well. I not only saw it with his performance as the Green Goblin, but just throughout his entire career most recently watching the lighthouse of him being totally and completely nuts he basically took that same kind of energy and had it back when he did the green goblin he's just able to make these facial expressions as a human with even the without the suit on he's able to just look sinister itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout down came the goblin and took the spider out I also think the costume for the Green Goblin is the best in all of the Marvel villains. Just that iconic green, metal-looking costume on the hoverboard, throwing these exploding pumpkins. Everything about that character is amazing. And anytime the Green Goblin is on screen, you really just can't look away. I think for that reason, William Dafoe is the only person we ever need to play the Green Goblin. If all the rumors play out about the new Spider-Man movie, he will make a cameo in that. I only hope that they don't change anything about his iconic look. So easily put the Green Goblin at number three. At number two, we have to go to the Avengers from 2012. And I think this was at the point of time where Marvel solved their villain issue and found it in Loki. This was the first time for me that I felt like they had their hit villain that they were going to use throughout the entire mcu and tom hiddleston was born to play loki he's the only person i can ever see doing that role everything from the look the accent the little quirks and mannerisms he did to make that character his own if somewhere down the line they ever remake these marvel movies which I'm sure in 30, 40 years, they'll start to remake some of these with Loki, with Iron Man, with all the MCU. They'll do that eventually. But I don't think they should touch Loki. Like They should bring back Tom Hiddleston, even if he's like in his 60s, 70s. He is just born and meant to play Loki. I think Tom Hiddleston is to Loki as Robert Downey Jr. is to Iron Man. That felt like a standardized test comparison, but that's just how I truly feel. I honestly think out of the entire MCU that there are two castings that I just couldn't see anybody else playing those roles. And it's Iron Man and Loki. Everybody else, I feel like maybe there could be some switch outs. I could see a different Thor. I could even see a different Captain America. Hulk would be super easy to find somebody else. But those two characters, I think, are the two perfect castings. The other great thing about Loki as a villain is throughout the entire MCU, you're able to see the evolution of this character to go from being this villain to Who kind of had that Magneto moment too. His first appearance of where he's in control. To the first time you kind of see him as a force to be reckoned with in that first Avengers movie. That first big scene with him. You feel like this guy is serious business. But then throughout the entire evolution of him. You go from him being a straight up villain. To him being an ally. But... The thing that makes him a great villain is that you can never really trust him even when he seems like he's on your side he can do something to just be completely selfish and only look out for loki and you can kind of see that play out in the movies but also later in the disney plus tv show with loki i didn't use that show to weight his position on this list but just kind of wanted to make that point of like you could also pull him apart and do an entire series on him And it'd be great. So we got Loki at number two. Before I get into number one, I do have some honorable mentions. I really thought Michael Keaton as Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming from 2017, like that was a really great kind of refreshing character. And I think it's because of, I just love Michael Keaton, who I think was the best Batman and to see him go and do a Marvel villain. And his whole kind of character arc and story in that was just really awesome to see. And I just thought he was a really fun villain in that movie. Also, Ultron from Age of Ultron, I think is an underrated villain. I know that movie was a little weird and not really well received. But Ultron is actually a really cool villain. I just don't think they got it exactly right in that movie. But he was just a big, strong force, almost like a Thanos Jr. I think if that character had been fleshed out just a little bit more, maybe even had another appearance somewhere else, he could have been a really memorable villain. I mean, a lot of things are wrong with that movie, but I just think he didn't really get a shot. I also really like Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. You talk about another villain with an iconic look. Mysterio is definitely one of those. Also from the original X-Men movies, I would put The Juggernaut from X-Men The Last Stand, which came out back in 2006. I remember being really excited to see The Juggernaut in a movie, It was around the time where they had that really viral video of the Juggernaut like being overdubbed in the cartoon. And I think that's a big reason why they decided to put him in that movie. Because he said like that famous quote from that, which I won't say on this podcast. I just remember that moment being funny. And then finally, Red Skull from Captain America, the first Avenger. Which was not my favorite Captain America movie. I think one of the slower origin stories. But Red Skull was a cool-looking villain. And one I would have liked to have seen more of. But at number one... He was in not one, but two of the biggest movies in all of Marvel. You can probably guess it from Infinity War in 2018 and Endgame in 2019. It is Thanos, played by Josh Brolin, who actually seems like he'd be a really good guy in person. But for some reason on screen, he is the ultimate villain. And I mentioned earlier how Loki was the first time they kind of solved their villain problem. I think it was once they had the unstoppable force that was Thanos to where... It was almost as if all the villains that came before him were just nothing. He is the true unstoppable force. He is the inevitable one. And when you find yourself thinking over and over again while watching a movie, like, how are they going to stop this guy? Like, there's in no situation to where I can see them winning. That's what makes a great villain. Like, one you love to hate, but also one at times you kind of sympathize for. Kind of like with Killmonger because from his perspective he doesn't really consider himself the bad guy here but he's just everything you could ask for in a villain has an iconic look has the iconic gauntlet and he's also purple which is a color i hate that made me like him even less but i just think without Thanos, infinity war and endgame just wouldn't have had that same kind of weight to it without a villain like him to want to defeat he's my favorite villain i think he's just the strongest villain and with that i'll snap my fingers and get out of here (sighs) i am Going to get into a movie review now. Going to talk about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Have my wife, Kelsey, here now. How are you? I'm great. So, you hadn't seen the first one? I had not. You weren't really familiar with the character? Correct. You were going to this because I wanted to see it, right? Yeah, and I, li- I like going to the movies. And you basically just read an article about the first one, and that was all your knowledge going into this, right? I skimmed the I skimmed article. Skimmed the article. What well, a long do- article. Yeah, it was a lot. We'll get into what we thought about the movie. First, we'll play a little bit of the trailer. I think we had different experiences at the beginning of this movie coming from you not seeing anything prior to it or not really knowing much about the character. So here's a little bit of the trailer if you haven't seen it yet, and then we'll get into our review. Spoiler free, of course. Yes. Of course. Oh,
1: where are you going? That is a red one. You need to come out right now.
4: I will let you eat everybody. Promise. I promise. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh wow you could
3: just say i'm happy for you that was going to be us
1: i am happy for you no god i'm so sorry i'm sorry It's two and some serious couples counseling
2: all right so even for me i saw the first one didn't love it but watching this one i kind of forgot why he became venom how he became venom And that whole kind of dynamic, were you lost throughout the first 20 minutes or so of this movie?
3: Mm, Not really. I just kind of accepted it and didn't question. I just took it at face value that he was Venom.
2: Yeah, I think I just kind of forgot how Venom is basically like this alien... It's a symbiote. Symbiote that took over Tom Hardy. So I always thought Venom was a great villain to me. Mostly from like growing up watching the cartoon... And then playing him in the video game. He was always my favorite. Probably because Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. Every time Venom came along, it was always cool. But in the comic books and in the video games and all those kind of things, he's kind of goofy. That's what kind of Venom is. And I almost didn't like that in the movie. Like at the very beginning of this one. It's a little bit laughable. Like they're kind of dynamic and the kind of way like Venom talks. I thought it was funny. You did? Yeah. I liked the humor. I guess I wasn't expecting it to go as silly as it did. The first one was like that, but this one really went straight on of like, okay, this is going to be like a comedy buddy movie in a way, (laughs) but you like that? I did. I laughed. I did too. I think it was after maybe like half, not halfway through it, but like 30 minutes into it to where I kind of was able to get what they were going for, get their whole kind of back and forth that I was like, okay, this is just going to be a big, dumb, fun movie. And that's what they were going for. I also think they're kind of gearing it a little more towards kids, would you say? Like, it is PG-13, so I felt like they're gearing it more towards, like, tweens and teenagers. And I realized that throughout the movie. So once I was able to be like, all right, this is just going to be a big, fun ride. It was very loud. I think for the first time ever watching a movie, I was like, this movie is too loud. Yeah, it was really loud.
3: I, at one point, went to the bathroom, and they had the door to the theater open and i could hear it from the bathroom so i didn't feel like i missed anything
2: i don't know if it was the movie theater specifically that had the volume up just a little bit too much or the special effects were just so loud i was like i felt old like complaining about a, a loud movie i think it was just the theater okay so maybe it's the theater but but just, let
3: us know if we're wrong let yeah, us know if you went if, to see if it if and you It went was to shockingly
2: it, loud and thought wow this is a little too loud it was very loud because one of the villains in it her whole superpower is that she screams yeah, that was a little and it was much. so piercing and so loud it was like okay like i get what they're going for here but it's so loud but i thought the special effects in this were pretty good like venom kind of looks a little bit weird <laughs> like the glossy look i don't love it particularly
3: you wanted it to be a little more of a matte A matte
2: look. i do like a i like a matte venom look <laughs> but i i thought once they showed carnage that looked pretty cool but i think there was only one scene in this movie that i thought this was really dumb and it was a scene with venom At that party? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that a little bit kind of dumb in a way? I'm trying to remember. Where he goes to the party and takes the microphone? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I think that's a little bit where the movie just kind of jumped the shark for me. And for that reason, I feel like this movie isn't for everybody. And just from seeing the reviews, even though it made a bunch of money over the weekend, I don't think it's ever going to be a well-received franchise.
3: I would also like to just go back to the fact that that is the moment that it jumped the shark for you, not the fact that he's a symbiote invading a human.
2: No, I'm fine with it. I, I buy into the comic book world, but it's that specific scene to where it blends of like, this is a comic book movie to where, oh, is this real life? Okay. It lost to me shame. a little bit there. So there's a one point in that. Okay. And I think for that reason, some people will watch this movie and think this is dumb and I don't like it. And this is a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think the movie knew this time around what it was going to be and it improved on the first one. I like this one a lot better actually, because it was just a big fun ride comic book style. I ended up really liking the dynamic between Tom Hardy and Venom and once I kind of bought into that relationship, it was to a point to where I enjoyed it. I, I loved Michelle Williams in it. She was, th- I love Michelle Williams. There's I'll a lot of great actors in this too. Michelle Williams. Woody Tom, Harrelson. And Tom Hardy. Like those, it's just crazy how good of actors they all are. I am almost surprised they would take on this kind of movie. Because it is a Marvel movie, but it's not your typical Marvel movie. And it's not really like a fan favorite Marvel movie. So it's just kind of interesting to see them all in this movie. And Woody Harrelson, I thought was a great villain, but it's also a very kind of almost cheesy over the top kind of style that he's playing. Like the acting is almost so over the top. You don't realize that they're that great of actors. Yeah. To which they are. But I, I think this is better than the first one. The hard thing is that you almost want to tell somebody who hasn't seen the, the first one to watch that one before this one. But if you don't like that first one, I think it may stop you from watching this one. For you, you didn't see the first one, but you were able to enjoy this one. You think somebody else could do that?
3: Yeah. I don't feel like you have to know too much. Just Google, like...
2: Google the first one? Yeah, just don't Google, like, the second one. Then you'll get spoilers. And even the spoilers in this, I don't think it would be that big of a spoiler. Not like really. It's basically the formula of any other superhero movie that you would expect. There's a good guy,
3: and there's a bad guy.
2: That is the movie. Good there guy, go. bad guy, they fight, there you go. But anyway, if you had to rate this movie... What would you give it?
3: Three point seven five out of five M Ms.
2: Ooh, interesting with the M Ms. Um, that was another thing I forgot. The things he has to eat to survive, because what Venom does is he eats humans and he's able to gain energy and become stronger. And the other thing he can eat besides humans is chocolate. Is chocolate. And what I rated it three out of five chickens. He loves chickens. But at the beginning, when they talk about it in the movie. I was like, why does he eat chickens again? And then we're reminded. So anyway, that's what we think about the new Venom movie. If you were to tell somebody, should they go spend their money on it? Would you say yes? Or would you say, wait until it's on demand?
3: Go see a nice, a weekend matinee.
2: A weekend matinee? It's a great matinee movie. There you go. I would say, wait until it's on demand. That way you could watch the first one and then watch the second one. Unless you're super big into superhero movies or you have kids around the age that this would be appropriate for it. I think it's one to see in theaters. Other than that, you could probably wait on it. But that's what we think about Venom. Let there be carnage.
1: I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy.
4: My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it.
1: I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of.
4: Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Let's get into some movie news now. Just Mike here again. And we were just talking about Venom. And over the weekend, it set a pandemic era box office record debuting at 90 million dollars at the box office which is pretty astounding i did not expect this movie to make that much money after seeing it honestly i thought it was gonna be a flop if i'm being honest with you i just in my head i don't think it's a great movie and this is coming from somebody who loves superhero movies and i love the character venom and why I said in that review, I enjoyed it. I just don't think it's for everybody. So seeing the number $90 million is very impressive to me. And the fact that I made more than the original one, like that's really impressive. It's hard for any kind of sequel to live up to the first one on box office numbers. So for this one, not only to match those, but do better than it. Amazing for them. So will we see a Venom three? Yes, probably. Will I go watch it? Yes, I will. But I just think out of what Marvel has to offer, it's not the best thing they have right now. The other thing I was thinking about after that review we were talking about, I feel like this appeals to, you know, a younger audience. And I think the people who feel more comfortable going to the movie theaters now is a bit of a younger audience. Like that is kind of the perfect movie to put out right now. So I feel like that's why this one did so well over the weekend. So good for Venom. Got to give them that. The other note on the box office numbers this weekend is the Sopranos prequel basically flopped. It debuted at $5 million. Yes, just $5 million, and it cost $50 million to make, so this studio is going to lose millions of dollars on this movie. And I wasn't a big fan of The Sopranos. I never watched the TV show. And I saw the trailer for this movie and wasn't really that impressed by it. As a non-Sopranos fan, it didn't really bring anything to my attention that made me wanna go watch this movie. And it is one that's in theaters and also available on HBO Max, but I saw it pop up there. And even though I had it there at my fingertips, I didn't wanna hit play at any point. I ended up watching more of the Squid Games. I feel like from the trailer, this movie had like a an aura to it that it felt really cool, like so cool that it didn't really care if you watched it or not and proof by the box office numbers not a whole lot of people did also in movie news scarlett johansson and disney have settled their black widow lawsuit the unfortunate thing about this they didn't release any of the details of the deal they struck they're basically just like okay we're good now maybe down the line we still work together but there wasn't any reports on how much money She was paid back or owed or how they ended up settling that whole thing. And if you don't remember that story, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney back in July after she said that the release of Black Widow on Disney Plus had an effect on how much she was able to make back from that movie. It greatly impacted her box office commission to where she makes money based on box office numbers. They put it up on Disney Plus and were able to make money off that alone, but none of the details were Released on this, the Disney Studios chairman did say they appreciate Scarlett Johansson. They're excited to work with her on Tower of Terror and some other projects, but agreements were not made public. I wish I could know how much was settled. I'm sure they paid her some money. And finally, in movie news, a massive movie prop auction is set for November Online, the prop store is hosting a sale that could bring in almost $8 million. Here are some of the cool things that will be up for grabs. Some of these I would love to own from A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Freddy Cougar's iconic razor glove from that 1987 movie. I think Dream Warriors is one of the strongest movies in the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. That's one of my favorites. Aside from the very first original Nightmare on Elm Street, I think if it wasn't for the original dream warriors is probably my second favorite that one is expected to go for as much as 41 grand for that glove i could see why that one would go for that much because it's something you could actually not only display in your house but also if you're just like hanging out you want to put on the freddy glove to like cut up some celery or something i would buy that i wouldn't spend that much money on it but it would be cool to have also up for auction is will ferrell's elf costume from elf that's also expected to go for about forty one thousand dollars. this one is crazy to me a screen match version of Wilson from Castaway, you know, the Tom Hanks movie could go up for $83,000. It's just a volleyball with fake smeared blood on it. I don't get that one. That wouldn't even be that cool to have. It would be something that people just think, why is this volleyball in your room? And why is there blood on it? Like for that movie prop for that amount of money, unless Tom Hanks himself hand delivered that to me and did the iconic Wilson yell as he handed it over to me as I handed him $81,000, not worth it. This next one's worth it from Back to the Future 2, a Marty McFly autographed hoverboard. Now, I know the hoverboard doesn't work, but that's actually a cool thing you could put up on the wall and it actually just looks cool. And it's self-explanatory. You know what that is from. Like the only other cooler thing would be having a DeLorean. I actually knew a guy who lived in my hometown who had a DeLorean, which was pretty cool but it didn't run or anything. He just kept it in an old garage and would take people out there to check it out. And he basically became known in town as the guy with the DeLorean, but he never got it up and running. So I don't think it would be that cool to own that. It would basically be a logistical nightmare of having to dedicate some garage space to it. You probably couldn't drive it around much. Unless you were like a millionaire, I don't think that one would really be worth it to have around your house. A couple more things that will be up for auction is a proton pack from the Ghostbusters movie that came out in 2016. A production made costume from Spider-Man 3, which that Spider-Man suit is actually really cool and detailed looking. That would be one I like. I have a Spider-Man costume that I bought for Halloween. And that thing is just fun to put on. I I find any reason (laughs) or need for a a costume and I bust out the Spider-Man costume. And I think having an original one would be really cool just to wear out or just make TikTok videos with. There is a guy on TikTok who does all these cool videos dressed as Spider-Man and having the original one that looks just too detailed how it was in the movie. Not gonna lie, that would be pretty cool. I was thinking about this. If there was any movie prop that I could own from movie history, what would it be? The first one that came to my mind was talking about Marvel villains earlier. Would be the Thanos glove, but the actual one in the movie is CGI. I know they had one like on set that they would use. I just think it would be really cool to wear that around the house. Like go grab a drink and crack it inside the Thanos glove. Just walk around saying I'm inevitable, snapping my fingers. I would love to own that one, it also just looks very cool. Either that one or the Iron Man version where he takes it and snaps his fingers, those both would be cool. But I think the one I've wanted since I was a kid that I remember getting on eBay every Halloween because I wanted like an original looking Michael Myers mask costume. Maybe just because Halloween's coming up right now, I'm excited for that movie, I can't wait for that one to come out and be able to talk about that. But I just think the original one from the movie, made from a William Shatner mask would be amazing to own or really any of the ones since because they are so much better and more detailed, obviously, than the ones you get at the grocery store. The grocery store ones just look like a blank white mask with some fake hair attached to it. And you get the idea that it's Michael Myers, but having like a real original one that you could put on and look like him, go through a drive through in it. Like, I think that would be amazing. I would get the most joy out of having that. I think that would be my number one. If I just wanted something from one of my favorite movies, it would probably be the phone used in the movie Her. I think you could probably get that one for the cheapest out of all these ones that I'm thinking about. And that would just be a fun prop to have. And then finally, I would love to have the original hat from the Willy Wonka in a Chocolate Factory movie. I feel like if I own that hat, I would put it on while I'm sitting down on my computer working and come up with the best ideas. Maybe I could finally crack the code and make my own everlasting gobstopper. That, that's the powers that that hat would give me. But those are the ones that I would love to own. If you have one, you can send one in, tweet me at MikeDistro. And before I hop out of here, every single week, well, I do a thing where I shout out to one of you guys who listen, who comment on my Facebook page, or send me an email, moviemicd at gmail.com. But every now and then, I like to open up a little hate mail. I can take the tweets, I can take the DMs, the messages. It's the one-star reviews on Apple Podcasts that usually get me, so if you have a beef with the podcast, if you have a beef with my reviews, don't resort to that. Hit me like this guy did on Twitter. And I think the great thing about this podcast and being able to talk to you guys every single week and connect with you about movies is we don't have to have the same opinion. You don't have to agree with what I'm saying or like my reviews or like my takes here. We are mainly here to start a conversation and if there's something you don't agree with, if you watch a movie that I say it was good and you end up not liking it, that's just my opinion. There's no right or wrong when it comes to how we interpret art, how we interpret movies. That's a great thing about it. That's why this podcast is so fun to do. So you don't always have to agree with the things I say, and I just appreciate you listening and coming back every single week. But I got a tweet from at Joey Scott that said, Mike D just has the worst taste in movies. People can't keep going on listening. I like the tweet, like physically hit the heart button for that reason alone is because i've said that over and over again is like yeah these are my opinions my opinions only i try to not steer you guys in the wrong way of saying a movie is great and ends up not being that great when you watch it so i don't even think the tweet is that harsh because like i just share my opinions on movies joey well you're just sharing your opinion on my reviews so why i don't welcome the hate or the bashing comments like that i don't even think this is that bashing it's just not something you just want to open up twitter and see every day But I can live with it. And I get the more and more I put things out there, the more that's gonna get thrown back at me. I think that's the way I look at criticism. And I think, in an odd way, comments like this just kind of motivate me to keep doing what I'm doing, focus on the areas I think I can get better at, but I can't change my opinions, Joey. Like, this is just what I do every single week. I'm not gonna stop doing it. So I encourage everybody listening if you get a mean or negative comment, Always try to look at the positive and don't let it ruin your day. With that said, this has been this week's episode. I'm also really excited that it's October now and I can really get into talking about horror movies and best Halloween movies. I have some ideas planned for some future episodes leading up to Halloween because right now a bunch of people are hitting me up like, hey, I don't know what scary movies to watch this season. So I'll get into that next week. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And until next time, later.